Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Cal Ripken Jr., and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter back with you. All over the major platforms, download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by Brewerton Ace Hardware, Rosie's Corner, Camillus Golf Club, and our great friends at Stanley Law Offices. Together, they'll work to get you the maximum reward. I am so pumped up to bring on Paul Bissonette. He is doing incredible things with the NHL on TNT, but he's also a part of the best podcast in the land, in my opinion. It is so funny. It's so good. Great content, amazing stories. It's called Spitting Chicklets, and it's a part of the Barstool Sports platform. Uh, he's also a retired AHL and NHL hockey player, and you can get him on Twitter at BizNasty2.0. That's at BizNasty2.0. He has 1.1 million followers on Twitter, which is pretty much 1.1 million more than I have. Paul Bissonette, this is amazing to have you. I'm a huge fan, and uh, you're doing great work on the platforms. Welcome aboard, man. Thank you so much for having me on, and uh, it's great to, great to get the invite, pal. All right, let's break this down here, okay? Spitting Chicklets is just exploded, and I know it's easy to say, well, if you just add any show to a brand like Barstool, you get X amount of this, X amount of that in terms of followers, but it's more than that. You guys have an, a, a unique relationship with each other. You have great content. The guests are amazing. Uh, you bust each other's balls. Um, the, the, the episodes could go on and on and on as far as I'm concerned. And I know that they do a lot of times in your case, but if you were told a couple of years ago, this is where spitting chicklets would be the pink Whitney, all the events you guys attend, would you have believed it? Um, Oh God, that's such a great question. Yes and no. And for the reason, yes, is because, you know, I'll start with Grinelli. Like he, he worked so hard behind the scenes, like editing, uh, getting video ready, growing the YouTube channel, helping with logistics. Um, you know, we have RA who started the show, and you know, he's got such this unique personality that differentiates him. You know, from from, from myself and Wit, which you know, he's kind of the blue collar fan, the the, the, the paying the, the paying ticket holder, which you know, sometimes he gets frustrated with his team, sometimes he's a bit of a homer. Um, and then you have Wit, in my opinion, like he's the star. He has the most credibility. Um, I think he's such a great storyteller. Like I could listen to him tell stories nonstop. Uh, and of course, like he's got an unbelievable wit about him. And on the no side, it's just like, I, it's, it's taken on a mind of its own. It's I, I you know, you, I think that, uh, I think every month or so you kind of take a step back and you're like, Oh my goodness, you know, it's, it's continuing to grow. And, you know, we're so grateful for our fan base. Like, you know, what did we do to deserve this? And, you know, look at all the amazing people that we get to meet because of it, and, and all. So, so, so that's why it's a, a yes and no. But to to hear you know to, to hear you say that, and, and you know, and, and to, and for the compliment as well, like that's what we strive for. Like that's what keeps us going. Like we think nonstop. Like what do the fans want? What would the fans want? That's what makes us go on all these trips and, and, and capture all this video and sit down with these these unbelievable players who have unbelievable stories and uh, and and you know, in relationships to share. So. Um, I, it's such a great question, man, but that's genuinely how I feel every day when I wake up uh, about what we found ourselves into. Well, you've also exploded, too, because now you're on a set on NHL on TNT. My man Liam McHugh, he comes out with me all the time, has for years. 
Uh, we met in Syracuse, uh, my God, 20 years ago, just local radio. He was doing some grad school stuff. He is so good at his job. Then you've got Tockett. You got that guy named Wayne Gretzky. You got you, uh, you know, and then there's a mix of different folks here and there. You know, you go to the rinks and, and you guys break it all down. You have really done an unbelievable job and you've risen yourself, not just on the podcast, but also as a TV talent. What is your biggest challenge in getting better each and every day? And and do you get nervous at all on TV? So I actually, I get nervous before everything. I get I, I got nervous before this interview. I think that uh, maybe that stems from the, the, the fight or flight of, of playing. I would always get really nervous because I knew, you know, if I, if I had a couple tough shifts that I'd probably end up getting benched and then I wouldn't be in the next game. So I think that may be something that derived from the career. But you know, as far as, uh, it, you know, the TNT gig and, and I just kind of show up every day and I'm just, I'm so grateful. Like, you know, you, you look at the careers that Anson's had, uh, you know, Tonka's he's, had. Yeah, he's great too. Spain, yeah. And then you get Lundquist in the mix. Mm-hmm. And then if, with Liam driving the bus, like, I just, I really just try to bring energy and, and, and anything they, they kind of say, I, I just do. And it's just, it just worked out so well. And, and on top of that, like I, I mentioned the production team on, uh, on the, the, the broadcast last night, they make it so easy. You show up and everybody has a job and everybody does it that way. The only thing that when I show up, I have to focus on is making sure that we're having a good time and we're breaking down things and we're keeping it light and trying to entertain hockey fans and grow the game. So um, I was shocked when I got the, the, the email. I actually thought, <laughs> I actually thought I, you listen to the podcast, you know, Foley, the prankster <laughs> Foley from Boston that, yeah. that Wits Buddies with. Mm-hmm. He pranked yeah, he, he pranked Ekblad by by staking that he was the team cook coming over to cook a beer <laughs> for the Panthers. It goes on and on. I I was concerned that he was trying to prank me, so I had to do a lot of double checking before we ended up responding to the email. And uh, you know, I, we ended up flying into the tryout and, and, and it went and went great. And just like the podcast, it seems like off the hop, we were fortunate enough where we we have pretty good chemistry. And obviously, we're still trying to work on that with the TNT broadcast. But like I said, it, it's it's I think it's happened a lot faster just based on the overall team, and that's just not the guys in front of the camera. Paul Bissonette, our guest here, of course, at BizNasty 2.0. Give him a follow uh, on Twitter, uh, the retired NHL hockey player doing great things on Spittin' Chicklets and the NHL on TNT, both our must-watches and listens. Um, give me some Syracuse stories, man. I, I've lived the majority of my life in central New York. I know you've come through here and, and, and played. and, uh, and, and, and yeah, g- give, me, give me something good that maybe I don't know so, about. I talked about the fight or flight. I would say those were some of my worst bus rides. And <laughs> I think Syracuse is about a two, two-and-a-half-hour drive from Wilkes-Barre, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And so in the American Hockey League, when it's that close – and uh, you, you travel in day of the game, and it just so happens when I was playing in Wilkes-Barre, they had a fighter on the other team, Nasty Morasty. Oh, yeah. John Morasty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was trying to become a bit of a player, and I wasn't a fighter, but he would chase me around the ice every game until I fought him. He was and a bastard, fight. man. <laughs> and he would break my nose, yeah. he would scar me up. Yep. Tell you what, once you gave him his fight, he would be all right. And if, if you, I don't want to like uh, knock on his skill or his playing ability, but usually in the first period when he would get that fight, by midway through the second, he would have his skates on Tyler's bench. 
he was there for one reason and one reason only, and it was to cave the, the faces of the opponents coming in, and he did a heck of a job doing it. And he ended up actually bumping, jumping into UFC, but the, the only the only part that sucks is I can't give you any off-the-ice stories there because we would go in the day of the game and then we would leave. Yeah. And other only thing other thing I remember is they used to play out of the rink where they filmed part of Slapshot. So it was this old barn with incredible fans, and, and it was like uh, it was like stepping into a time machine and going back to the like the eighties when you went and played for, against the Crunch. And I'll tell you what, it was one of those teams in the in a, in a fairly modern era because I think when I was playing in, in um, against the Syracuse Crunch, it was probably two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand six, those years, mm-hmm. and. You would try to keep the game close because they even had a uh, captain by the name of Zenon Kanopka who was from my area. This is the type I ended up fighting Zenon Kanopka in a men's league game. They, if you, if the game got out of hand, they were just trying to go full, full on mutiny on the other team. So the, the, there was a, a joke that kind of circulated around. It's like you go in there and you just make sure you win, but keep it close so you don't get the the stop beat out of you. Unbelievable. I, you know, that was a great era, too, because you had, although probably tough road trips for you and, and the team, because good grief, you play a tough game against Syracuse, you might have to go to Rochester the next night and deal with, I don't know, Derek Roy, Pominville, Ryan Miller. All those guys were kind of in that era right up until, um, you know, they, they ended up going to back-to-back East Finals with the Sabres. So uh, those were some some great times. I miss the old AHL. I think it's a great league. Now it's just a little, it's kind of gotten away. I mean, they're, they're in big markets now, and the rivalries aren't quite there. I don't know. It, it's quite different. Let's get into the... I, I feel that it loses a bit of its luster. I, under, I understand the dynamic yeah. of uh, GMs wanting to be closer to evaluate talent and having easier access to call them up to the bigs. Sure. Um, but I, I, like, I, we played against the San Jose Barracuda. That was actually where I played my last uh, AHL game. I tore, uh, I tore, I, I'd already tore my uh, left or right ACL, and I tried to come back after prehabbing it, and uh, I ended up tearing my other one. In the same season, it was my last Air Pro game. There might have been 100, 150 people in the stands <laughs> in San Jose for for a Barracuda Ontario Rain game. And going back to Syracuse, quick, you guys had Dorsett there, who ended up going to play with Columbus, and and there must be five other guys in the lineup every night that would be willing to throw it. So definitely some tough uh, tough buildings, and you don't see the AHL have that type of uh, oomph in a, for a regular season game like you used to. All right, let's go around the NHL a little bit. I know that most of the talk is the new blood and the Cal McCarr, Adam Fox, obviously McDavid's a stud, uh, Austin Matthews, Nate McKinnon. I could go on and on and on. I got to tell you, Biz, I mean, my word, Ovechkin and Crosby are still at it. They're still dominating. Crosby's doing his thing. Ovechkin is chasing Wayne Gretzky. I want to start with Ovi. I, I can't believe we're even talking about this. I, I thought this record was way out in the stratosphere. When do you think Ovechkin, again, knock on wood that he stays healthy, when does he break this record? I would assume that he's probably within striking distance after this contract ends. Okay. Uh, some people think he'll break it before the contract ends. I think he'll probably come back on a year-to-year basis until he actually does. Like, I, I, I don't think there's any way he's retiring until he breaks it at this point. Given given with where he's at, um, I agree with you. I never thought this was like with the, the quality of defending and the quality of goaltending. I thought this was untouchable. People would argue that the technology, the sticks, uh, the the 
lack of clutching and grabbing and the amount of power plays. If you, I think if you look at Ovi, I think you just, I think you just set the record for most power play goals all time. So mm-hmm. that's definitely a factor, but he, he just has one of the most lethal shots ever. And it, it's inevitable that this will be broken. It's um, it, it just going to, to these older players. I think that what makes them so special is just like the way that they handle themselves off the ice and how they treat their bodies in order to like have that type of longevity. Um, either you, you mentioned Sid, like he's a guy where in the summertime, He's training six days a week. He's not drinking it. <clears throat> excuse me. He's not drinking a lot of alcohol. Like he, he's, you know, got a good diet. Um, he's not wasting his time and energy on social media. You know, he's just these guys are so dialed in twenty four seven, and I think that that has kind of set the precedent of this next wave of player. Um, I think that skill wise, it's getting even better year over year with like just how fast everybody is the quality of play uh the different types of moves you're seeing with like zegris the michigan is becoming the michigan move which is when you kind of like cross style of the net is yep. becoming more and more regular um I, I think hockey is headed in a very special place i will say though that i know there is a lot of emphasis on skill development and maybe sometimes just going back maybe there is a little bit more of a lack of hockey sense but substitute it for the amount of skill that's being introduced and and you know the speed of the game and how it translates on television and for the consumer i am i, I as, a, as a fan i i am over the moon with with where the game's at i agree I, I i don't ever remember i'm 42 years old i've been a fan for what 35 years probably or a little bit more and and i i just remember going back to you know the 80s and gretzky in the 90s and all those really good teams. My Sabres were really good in the late 90s, obviously. Um, had a cup stolen in 99, but let's not go down that road. Um, you know, you, you, you just have – now, though, it's so different, so big, so fast, so skilled, so young. Those are the big four for me with, with this, this, this elite group of players uh, in this league. It's, it's pretty great. If you look at the top of the standings, Paul, Nashville – Colorado, St. Louis, Vegas, these kind of teams, right? The Hurricanes, uh, maybe the Rangers, Washington, Florida, Tampa. Dude, look at the Eastern Conference. It's oh, crazy. It's, it's unbelievable. Like you can pick any team to win that so that's where I was going. If I gave you that, you know, just that group of the top three or four, maybe in each each division, who would you buy stock into, or or what couple teams would you buy stock into as 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 going all the way this year? So I, I just say like, I'm, I'm going to be right on a few shows by the time the end of the year hits. But I, you know, we were on the TNT broadcast yesterday, and he pulled up the Eastern Conference standings, and they got Boston getting two grass back, and they're in that eight seed. Ahead of them is Washington. So, well, they haven't even been healthy, and they're that high in, in, uh, in the Eastern Conference. They could, you know, I mean, maybe they get a, a young hot goaltender, they could easily win it. Rangers look unbelievable and primed and ready for a cup run. How about the Penguins? I wrote them off. They didn't have Sid and Malcolm coming in. They dealt with all those injuries off the hop, um, you know, through all, all their other uh, core group guys. And they, they, I would, you know what? I'm going to say Pittsburgh. Wow. I'm going to say Pittsburgh and for this reason, as I think that they know their window's closing. Um, this is the last year that they're going to have their uh, Malkin, 
um, and Tanger on these quote unquote team friendly deals. And listen, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not saying that they're not making what, uh, you know, up to what maybe their, their level of players, but you know, when those two guys hit, hit the market, I think that they could command a very big number. Like I think anybody in the league, I think 10 teams in the league would be willing to hand over Gino a five year deal at 9 million a year. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think this is their year. I think they need to make one more big move. I would love, love to see them bring Flower back. And I don't know how that would mess with the the, the whole feng shui or, or the, I don't know, what do you call it? When that, is that, yeah, the feng shui with Jari and Net and how well he's playing. But I just, I'll always bet on, on, on guys who have been there and done it before. And Gino even said it. He's like, I've, my knee's never been better, and I'm hungry, and I'm ready to come back. I, I think that Pittsburgh has a good shot at this. Well, Paul Bissonnette, NHL on TNT, Spitting Chicklets podcast as well, part of the Barstool Sports umbrella, our guest here. Uh, Paul, I just have a couple more that I'd like to sneak in here, just a couple minutes oh, yeah, left. Buddy, I, um, I, I know I know you guys rip on the Sabres a lot, and, and rightfully so. They've been an absolute shit parade the last, I don't know, God almighty, they haven't made the playoffs in 10 years. Now the Bills are good and, and the Sabres are way behind. But good grief, I want them to be so good, so bad, because when it's rocking, you know what? I know a lot of people from the outside look at the Bills and they say, well, Buffalo's run by the Bills or run by the Bills. I got to tell you, I went to St. Bonaventure. I interned in Buffalo for Empire Sports Network. I've covered the Sabres for a long time. I've seen more games in Buffalo than probably any other city in America, in any sport. Um, you know, I, I was at cup finals. I, I, I've been through the whole thing and I've been, my God, I've seen all of it. Uh, the heartbreaking stuff, the Joe Juno goal. I was there for that. I was there for the Casparitis goal in the slide. I've seen it all. And I've driven home, ridden home in utter disappointment all the time. My question is this, when does this turn around for the Sabres? When did they get to a point where they're a playoff contender annually and we can get jumping again about Sabres hockey? So I actually, uh, well, first of all, I'm, so, I'm sorry for all your grief over the years. I think that, uh, you know, that goes hand in hand with being a sports fan, at least for some. Some are spoiled, like Patriots fans sure. or, you know, maybe Hawks fans. Um, I grew up in Welland, Ontario, which is, you know, 40 minutes from Buffalo, and, and, and tickets were a lot cheaper. They used to sell them at par. And I I really hope that, that Buffalo is, is able to turn this thing around. Now, as far as a timetable, the good news is in today's era, it's it's. I think it's a lot easier to do it quickly. Um, there is a bit of a luck component. They got that luck with getting power, which I think is a big component. But I think that there's so many moves that need to be uh, made from like a cultural standpoint and a leadership standpoint that they're going to have to build off a few pieces and start chiseling away and chiseling away quick. Um, Given the situation with Eichel, I thought that getting Tuck, uh, I, I guess you could consider him a local, yep. was such a pivotal point because, uh, you know, despite probably how upset he was moving on from Vegas, a team that has, had given him his first opportunity, because I feel like Minnesota was kind of like, ah, okay, you can take this prospect. And then he went and flourished. But now it feels like he's actually, like, motivated, and he's like, I'm back home, and I get to be the hometown kid that, you know, brings this team to the promised land. And he seems primed and ready to go so may, I would have said longer before they ended up getting him in that Eichel trade but I, I would say I would say probably three years to, the, to, to their competing for a playoff spot 
I'd probably say about four or five till they're ready to actually maybe compete for a Stanley Cup. But so many things have to happen. So many things in, in that time time frame. Yeah, look at Pittsburgh. Like look at how lucky Pittsburgh got. It just so happens the year that Malkin was going to get um, drafted. I want to say, I, I, guy, I want is Malkin. Malkin's in '86, I believe. And I want to say he was drafted the year before Crosby. So, and then on top of that, in my year, they ended up getting first overall also. And then they got to pick Fleury. Yeah. So they got Fleury, Crosby, and Malkin within three years. And then throw, I think Tanger ended up being a second rounder. So you throw that core group. They just, uh, this is, I don't know if you read that stat. It's 16 years since that trio has been together. I saw that. Of yeah. Tang, Crosby, and Malkin. Unbelievable. And that, you know, it's it, there's far too much turnover in Buffalo. These players need to get comfortable with each other and come up together and learn how to win together. And when you have all this turnover, and with, especially with coaches, and things just constantly get lost in the shuffle. So I know I, I, I spent a long time, and it was a long-winded answer, but it's you know it, it's it's not so easy so i could say i would say 4 or 5 years no i think you're onto it though i mean the, the, that group of players going back to the ryan miller pominville roy that group and they grew up together you know they learned each other's tendencies on the ice they go to buffalo and and bob boom i mean they end up in two eastern conference finals they win a president's trophy although that logo probably is the worst one in, in the history of hockey. Um, but, but you know, I, I, I think you're on to something there. I really do. Uh, what, what the hell's going on in Edmonton right now? I think that uh, I think that they just kind of hit one of those points in the season where, where everything came to a front. And, okay. and when you're dealing with Canadian media oh. in a situation where there's lockdowns and, and people are just very, very negative, I think that that can really weigh heavily on a locker room. And am I blaming the fans? Am I blaming the media? No. It's you know you talk you talk to guys who live through it. It just it it just gets extremely difficult at sometimes. And in Edmonton's case, it's not the most desirable free agency destination. So if you're not building through the draft and developing players, you're going to run into some headaches. I think that they have a team this year. Um, I could see a team like them getting to the second or third round. I just really have a difficult time believing in them with their goaltending as we speak mm-hmm. and and just their depth. They just they just rely so heavily on those top guys. And as we know, the the, the league the, the league is so good and there's just so much parity. The difference between the you know, the, the, the second and third line players, it's 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 not it's it's it, the gap is, is is like it's it's shortening or, or it's closing. And you see all these other teams who are ready to compete, like you know, they're getting scoring from those second, and third line, uh, or second, third lines, and even sometimes fourth, where Edmonton just really lacks that. And they don't even. I feel like if anything, their bottom six doesn't even necessarily have much of an identity here. So they need to address that and their goaltending, and I think that they're going to be okay. But I definitely think that they're a playoff team. I don't think they're missing playoffs, especially in the Pacific. If they miss playoffs in the Pacific, in the Pacific, excuse me, I think that they're going to go full clean house on on management and coaching. Wow! And if they and that'll it, it, and I think that that would probably be a last ditch effort to hopefully keep McDavid. I would have no problem of a superstar of his caliber saying, "I'm not sticking around for this incompetence any longer. I, I want to go move on and win." 
you could see him. You saw him in that press conference where now they're talking about getting Evander Kane, and I. We don't need to get into my opinion about that. Like, you know, you don't. I think you've heard it on the podcast. Like, I'm I'm a second chance guy. Like, I just I want people to be in a good place. I don't think he's done himself any favors. Um, but you know, now they're the, the, the desperation gets so high that they might have to bring him in. And you see him have it. You see McDavid having to answer questions at the the press conference, and he just looks so dejected. Yeah. He looks like, and that's when I go back to the media and, and, and even him facing criticism for saying, well, like, you guys, if you're not happy, it's like, well, whatever. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm not management. I don't sign players. I'm here to put up 150 points a year and try to get us as far as possible. God, he's so, he's so you know, good, too. Oh, my gosh. He's so good. He's so, he's, oh. he's so good. And, 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 and I know he didn't have the best of playoffs last year against the Jets, but. He's 25 years old. <laughs> I mean, you know. A young guys struggle in the playoffs. I, I think you just need more cracks to get there. I almost would. I almost would say, you know, do you? I mean, if 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 McDavid wants to be a part of what's next, I mean, do you to build the second, third line, build the goaltending? I mean, do you trade Drysidle and get a, a load for him? I mean, I don't. Is that an option? I would. I would probably wait on that. Okay. I I, I, I get what you're saying because, like, to, to kind of like go towards your. It's very difficult given the hard cap situation in the NHL when you're when you're so top heavy as far as what you're paying guys. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with with us when we say that Drysaddle and McDavid are worth exactly what they're being paid, if not more, for what they do for that team. But then all of a sudden you just don't have the money to spend other places, so it's like okay, well maybe maybe there should be a little bit of accountability on them when things don't go well, much like there is in Toronto when those core four who are making a lot of the money aren't getting the job done in, in prime time, but at least, at least there's four and it ain't two. Yeah. Right? You kind yeah. of feel like you're a little bit of an Island. So um, if you're going to move, if you're going to move dry you better make sure you make the greatest move the organization has ever seen as far as trades are concerned. Yeah, no if doubt. You, if you botch that one up, then you're, you're just like, Oh my goodness. You might, you might be in a Buffalo situation. Final thing for you, Paul Bissonette. When people watch you on the NHL on TNT and they listen and watch you on the Spittin' Chicklets podcast show, when they get done, what do you hope they say about you talking about the game of hockey and your personality? Um, <laughs> well, I hope they have an enjoyable experience. Uh, I hope I don't butcher it too bad. And, um, you know, I... I I, I give I give all this hockey stuff a lot of thought. You know, I interact with other guys who have been in, in more important situations than I have, and, and who have more credibility. So, I just want to make sure that I'm, um, you know, I'm 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 all up to speed and, and delivering the right stuff, but yet bringing it in a in a light kind of way, kind of like how I was in the locker room. Yeah. And, you know, I was always I was always the class clown in the locker room. I kept <laughs> it light, and uh, especially when I got to the NHL because that became a. a Part, like basically my primary role because I was only playing three, four minutes a night and half the amount of games. So, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, like I said, I hope they just have an enjoyable experience and they, and they leave happy with a smile on their face. Well, I enjoyed watching you scream and doing the coyote call there with the, with the, Liam put that out on Twitter. That was hysterical. And, and I think everybody probably feels that way about you. You're doing a great job. NHL on TNT, spitting chicklets, Paul Bissonette. Go get him on Twitter, at BizNasty2.0. Paul, I can't thank you enough for your time. I held you a little bit long. 
continued success sent your way. Hopefully, if you're through Central New York or I'm somewhere, I can meet you at some point. I know the Barstool guys go to Saratoga, too. I'm often there. But uh, keep keep grinding. Keep doing your thing, man. You're doing awesome stuff. I think uh, I think there's a plan to bring the Ball Hockey Chicklets Cup to, to Buffalo at some point. Ooh. And, uh, and we got a, another couple secret things going on there okay. that I hope to share with you um, as we move forward here. And then I'll tell you what, I'll make you another guarantee. I'll, I'll come back on the show when you guys are uh, in the Stanley Cup Finals. <laughs> All right. I will talk to you when never. No, I, no, I, I, I hope so. Paul, really, thank you for doing this. <laughs> Thanks so much, buddy. Thank you, pal. What an interview with Paul Bissonette from Spittin' Chicklets and the NHL on TNT. I'm Mike Lindsley. We're brought to you by Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, our good friends over at Stanley Law Offices, and Ken's Auto Detailing. If you're in and around Central New York, get on over to Ken's Auto Detailing. Route 11 and Cicero, they've got the best detail team uh, inside, outside. You, you name it, they'll do the wax, the wash, the chrome. Uh, get on over to Ken's Auto Detailing. Like them on Facebook as well, Ken's Auto Detailing is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. A tip of the cap thank you as well to our great friends from Chick-fil-A of Cicero and Clay and Stumbling Monkey Brewing Company. If you're in and around western New York and you're traveling up that throughway, pull off, grab a beer, 61 School Street in Victor, New York, and you can visit them online and shop there as well. Check out the beers, check out the calendar, and uh, everything else about Stumbling Monkey Brewing Company. Rob and his team doing an awesome job. StumblingMonkeyBeer.com. That's Stumbling Monkey Beer. This is the ML Sports Platter. Hit me on Twitter at Mike L Sports. And as I always tell you, enjoy the games. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.